Now it's time for the first ever Listen with Liston. So if you're all sitting comfortably, then we'll begin. Liston Mainchies is a private client portfolio manager at Envest Securities and was a regular on my radio show. And now is going to be a regular on Strictly Business. Liston, welcome to Strictly Business, the first Listen with Liston. And the first thing I want to say is that I've missed our chats over the last few months, but looking forward to many more in the future. Me too, me too. And uh, now the other thing is what I haven't missed is your charts that I get on o- over the weekend. And what I must say about your chart package is that it is so easily readable, it is so clear cut, and you are so forthright with your views, mainly right views as well. I'd say about 70% of your calls are right since I've been following your charts. You don't have the Bollinger Bands and all these other absurd indicators that are favorable with some technical analysts, but it's very, very simple stuff. And what I want to do today is for you to identify key trends that your charts are showing at the moment, whether bullish trends or bearish trends, and you can choose which ones that we look at, plus add a few fundamentals. Long introduction, over to you. Okay, thanks. Well, I think probably the best thing is to start uh, It's at the bottom of each edition that I send out. And I just say, can I remind you of some of the reasons we watch charts? And number one is to get a feel for the sentiment of the market participants. Secondly, to use this to understand their likely future behavior. And then thirdly, to try to recognize changes of trend before the others do. And so we put all this together with other inputs to gauge the probability of success of our planned actions. And definitely to try to avoid the typical mistakes of buying late and selling early. And also to try to evaluate how much risk is being priced in. I quite often talk about the risk-reward ratio. And then I just emphasize over and again that the value is looking at it unemotionally and saying the value is not being unduly affected by the noise of the news flow. Now, I know we're on a, a, a news a media story, but I, at all times I do still try to stick to this. And again, I'm giving a, a, a set of lectures later this week in here in Cape Town. And one of the topics is behavioral finance. And over the years, I've become more and more convinced that there's an awful lot of predictability in group behavior. I don't say each individual, but and I put it as simply as this. You know, if you've lost money over 40 weeks and you've lost money over the last 10 weeks, you are not exactly keen to uh, try another one. If you've made money over each of 10 and 40 weeks, you're feeling good. You've got some money in the bank. You can afford to take a chance. And it's natural that this will impact, you know, on actions. And then I say, well, how will we know who's doing what? And the simple answer is just to look at what they're doing with real money. And in terms of that, you know, we look at uh, at a, a, a sequence of charts and essentially indices, and that's the stock market indices, of which I've got a lot of reservations, but never mind. It is designed to measure what they, in inverted commas, are thinking, and then to see how you know how that's going to impact what we're doing. But I think, and in fairness, you know, to the listeners, I'd like to just look at something like from the top down, the world as a whole. Okay, and let's do that. General look at the no, the Morgan Stanley Capital International World Index in dollars always referred to by its initials as MSCI, and if you prefer to pronounce it MISCI. So looking at the MISCI, and my charts go over a period of 100 weeks, just two years, and I find that's unusual as well. Most people either do one year or three years. 
uh, somehow two years got, uh, disappears. But so looking at the Niski uh, world, it hit a new low uh, uh, for the year and uh, for a considerable time last week. Right. And you say, golly, who could have thought that? Uh, how did that happen? I mean, will that continue? What will Jerome Powell do? What will Trump and Xi do in, in, in uh, Argentina? But actually, just look what people are doing and what they're selling. And all of us get the same information pretty much at the same time. So some people are taking a gloomy view on not just the next week's operations, but what might happen going forward in terms of trade wars and all the rest of it. So, again, I always like to tie it back to the, you know, the real numbers and economies, and I take it further back, tie it back to the companies themselves. But let's just have a look at this chart and what it says, and it rose pretty well in a straight line uh, for months. And, in fact, you and I have discussed this many times, that it just carried on up. And it hit kind of uh, accelerated peak round about uh, uh, January. And then suddenly things weren't as good as they, as they sounded, and it shot back down in a drop that we hadn't seen the like of uh, in, in, in a number of years. And it recovered from that. Fell a bit, rose, started rising again, and then gave up round about 10 weeks ago. Now, again, what is really happening here, I'm saying the chart is telling you that the market participants have got a different view now than they had a year ago. Yes. However, whichever way you want to wash it and however many reasons and excuses you want to give for it. But more importantly, and as I mentioned earlier, I used 10-week and, and uh, 40-week moving averages. Now, again, you know that, that equates to a 50-day and a 200-day if you do that. I find the weekly charts work better in that midweek we get all sorts of items, and by the end of the week, not much has happened. Uh, so I find the weekly charts take a lot, of, a lot of the daily volatility, otherwise known as noise, out of the signal. So, again, round about five or six weeks ago, we had what I consider a very important signal is when these two moving averages cross. Let's talk about crossing. Crossing to the downside. In other words, they both have a downward trajectory, and one being shorter than the other one, they cross, and therefore sort of confirming a downtrend. Or am I being too simple? No, absolutely right. So when the 10-week, having been above the 40-week, the, the crosses it on the downside, that's a negative signal. If at the same time, uh, the longer average is turning down, that's also a pretty good harbinger of what's happening. And then if the, and in fact, for this to happen, you generally have the, the, the series itself uh, below both. That's a very, very bad combination. Yes. It just says things are likely to get worse from here. Now, whether you put a probability of 80% on it or 90% or whether you use some other fancy uh, acronym for what you're doing, it doesn't matter to me. I say getting the direction right is probably the most important. And again, we'll, we'll see it in a couple of the other charts as we, as we go. Uh, so again, in, and it's well known that, you know, of the, of the MISCI, probably 50-odd percent arises from companies that are shared in the Standard & Poor's Index. So we have a look at what Standard & Poor's is doing. Now, it had the same uh, blip in, in January, but it had another uh, rush which basically lasted until about September. And then suddenly it turned down 
the ten week move uh, turning down the um, forty week moving averages are actually quite flat, and so essentially um, you haven't got the ingredients that you had previously. So the ten week is above the forty uh, week, uh, but it's almost certainly going to break it next week. And as it turns out, the S&P didn't hit a new low for the year. That was in February. But for this cycle, it definitely is. So, again, you can hear that even the Americans, and I'm mentioned it that way, as the kind of last bastion. Uh, so uh, that's heading down. So let's just reiterate, the MSCI is more bearish than the S&P. The S&P has constituents in the MSCI. So overall, even though we get these short-term rallies like we did last night on Wall Street and indeed on the S&P 500, these are not dead cat bounces, but a sort of final knockings potentially of a bull market that is very, very mature indeed. That's my assessment of it. Listen, what we have to do now in the time remaining is look at two local indicators or one local indicator and one currency or commodity. You choose which ones you want. Okay, well, let me just quickly insert that you were quite right in saying that the MISCI uh, is more negative in the sense that the uh, FTSE, the CAC of the DAX, all of those uh, European indices have been heading down long before uh, the other ones and hitting new lows. And you get similar situations in, in the East. And again, a lot of this relates to the trade wars and the complexity of, of world politics, uh, you know, as currently evidenced, uh, you know, all over the place. But if we are, so if we are looking at the, at the South African uh, 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 situation, I'd like to look at resources particularly. Now, South Africa is a very uh, fortunate country in having an abundance of resources. We are the number one producer of a number of commodities into world markets, and uh, notably platinum, of course. But as far as people can see so far, and right up until this week, resources was the standout of the pack. It was doing far better than all of the other indices. And as I said, you know, the, the, this last week, it took a nasty turn so that it, it, too, is probably negative for the year. And being resource-based in the sense that we used to have lots of gold mines, we currently still have world-leading platinum mines, we have coal mines which export coal. A lot of our exports are still related to those commodities. Now, if they're not having a good time, I maintain that says that South Africa and employment and employment in the mining sector will not have a good time. So there's lots more to read than to say, well, everybody's kind of gone gloomy right now. You need to read what it's saying, saying about the future and if they are indeed correct. Now, occasionally, as we know, markets kind of get it incorrect. Uh, there can be bubbles. And there can be times of, of, of great uh, disappointment, and they tend to get overdone. But I think the basic story now is that uh, the resources index over the past year is down, and even over as long as 57 weeks. So suddenly, you know, people, and uh, when I talk about people, let's talk about pensioners, of which I am one. And, uh, you know, you depend on uh, income that you have generated in terms of savings now providing income back to you. Yes. And suddenly the, the earnings are not doing as well as you thought and the capital values have, uh, have eroded. So, it, you know, we all have a vested interest in actually watching an index or two. 
And again, I don't know how, many, how much the, uh, the listeners are aware of, of how bad this year has actually been in all sections and sectors. I think and, we've got a fair uh, idea. It's been grim, and I'm looking forward to the end of it, actually. But, well, but well, yes. you know, if your portfolio isn't down 12%, you're doing well. Now, oh. It's very difficult to say to a client, gee whiz, you're only down 8%. Yeah. You, sh- you should be so lucky. <laughs> and again, I hope I don't have to do that too often. But the point I'm, I'm making is that, you know, it, it is important to watch indices like that for the value it's telling you of what is likely to come. And then I think, you know, the, the, the other one obviously has to be our friend Durand, because I make this statement fairly boldly, in which I say to people, every investment you make is a bet on the Rand. Now, you can't say that if you're in America. Every bet you make is a bet on the dollar, because a dollar is a dollar is a dollar. Unfortunately, the Rand is a something dollar or a something other dollar or something horrible dollar. So long story short is we had that uh, you know, big blip right about 15 to the dollar, and that would be about uh, 10 weeks ago. So uh, just, just call that uh, two and a bit months ago. And at that stage, you, know, you, you could not be too positive, except that while it was hitting this new high, the 40-week moving average was still heading down. So at that stage, you know, I was prepared to say there's something likely here. There's no call to make. You can't say that the rand is forever weak at this at this point. Having said that earlier, we, we, you know, when it broke above 1250, but then suddenly it came back down, and as little ago as seven weeks ago, and it was not mainstream at that time. You got it crossing the 10-week moving average. Now the Believe it or not, at this point, the uh, 40-week moving average is still moving up, but the 10-week average moving down, if people can just visualize that, it looks as though it's going to, the two are going to collide at some point. And I'm saying that is the kind of point I, I think is very important to investors and to traders and to just about every importer and exporter that you know. But I actually called it and I said, this band is likely to strengthen, and it looks as though it's got something, you know, just below 1350 on it. Mm. Now, again, I sound like a trader, don't I? I sound like a technical analyst. But I'm just saying this is what the mood of the market, the market participants and the value they themselves place on the market signals which they generate. So, again, uh, I'm still fairly positive. And, by the way, this was before they raised interest rates a quarter percent last week. And, you know, that was designed to to get inflation down. All I'm saying is it was probably heading down on its own anyway because of the sentiment of the market participants. I know somebody that's got an alert on his desk and it says if the RAND is uh, X percentage, I can't remember what the percentage is, but if the RAND over a period is uh, maybe 20% weaker or 20% stronger than it was you know, a month ago or something, then he, I, he goes the opposite direction because what the RAND does tend to do is blow out to the downside, blow out to the upside, and essentially at the end of the year or the end of a couple of years, you know that the RAND, because of interest rate differentials and GDP differentials, etc., is going to be 6% roughly weaker than the basket of currency that might include the dollar and the, the euro, for example. And that has worked well, apparently, over the years. I think yeah, there's a fair amount of truth in that. And again, one of the 
reasons for looking at charts is you see extreme behavior earlier than, than, than many people. It's when something that hasn't appeared in a pattern before suddenly takes off and you kind of get the feeling and it's in most of us, I think, as, as, as humans to say it will revert to the mean. Somehow or other, we have that, as you're saying, six and a half percent per annum mean. Well, it, it is likely to return to that at some stage, other things being equal. So it has a, an element of truth in it. But as you know, and, and I'm just talking moving averages here, but there are a lot of other signals that one can use, which are called overbought, oversold indicators. And I won't go into great detail in this session. Maybe we can do that another time. Yes. But the, the, the long story, I, I just want to make the point to the listeners. I'm actually a value investor. I like to buy a company that, whose business I know that has good management, good product, and for whatever reason is currently experiencing a little bit of difficulty, and I can buy it a lot cheaper than I could a little while back, or it's suddenly uh, developed a new, a new uh, factory, it's got extra production coming, and that hasn't been priced in. So I'm actually a value investor, but I absolutely believe that the charts put me in a better position to know when to buy, and certainly also to know when to be very careful. Okay, listen, you're presenting these and other thoughts to a group of investors in Cape Town uh, this week. Is that an open session or is that a closed session? No, it's a closed session. Sorry. <laughs> okay. But if people want to follow your work, how do they do so? Well, they'll have to get hold of me, uh, Liston at liston.co.za. And uh, firstly, uh, you know, establish contact through my charts, I, I say, in the first place. And obviously, when people uh, subscribe to my charts, and I've had it exactly this morning, somebody coming back to me and said, can I get clarity on this? I'm not fully understanding that. And then obviously, uh, secondly, depending on where they are in South Africa, once they're on that list and I have appeared on, on uh, television or something like that, I send them a podcast of that. Anytime there's a podcast from you, I send it out to the same group so that they can get the feel that there's a continuing uh, relationship between us and them. And again, then if they feel the need and for whatever reason, they either become a client or they, they, they uh, want some consulting, it's eminently available to them. But the way to get to me is listen at listen.co.za. And the way to get to you as well is to keep listening to Strictly Business because you will be a regular weekly contributor as long as your international travels allow. Listen Mainches is a private client portfolio manager at Invest Securities in Johannesburg.